are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Uh, we got a packed, packed show today. Um, kind of our first off-season episode we're going to hit on. We had one signing. Uh, our final managerial spot got hired. Uh, one rumor that's been starting to float around with the star player. Uh, and we're going to break down kind of the AL East, kind of give a recap of this past year, uh, and kind of look forward to what this offseason and what my, next season might hold for them. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. It's been a uh, been a long week. I've been uh, just working, working, and working. So uh, missing baseball right now, watching a little bit of football. That takes the edge off of it a little bit, but uh, – but yeah, it's been it's been a good week, and I'm uh, ready to get talking about the talking about the off season. Yeah, I mean, off season might be my favorite time of year, just because you get all the rumors and you can kind of play GM. But uh, definitely missing watching some uh, some baseball right now. Uh, but let's just go ahead and jump on in. Uh, we did have one signing this week, and that was Robbie Ray, um, former pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, got traded to Toronto halfway through the year. He actually re-signs with Toronto on a one-year, $8 million deal. Yeah, this is an interesting signing. Um, Robbie Ray is a guy who has been inconsistent in his career, but he's actually been pretty decent. Uh, in a 842 career innings, he has uh, a 426 earned run average. Um, he's been a spectacular strikeout pitcher with 11.1 strikeouts per nine, but he's also had some control issues with uh, over four walks per nine for his career. But this past year, the control issues were a really big deal. So he had almost eight walks per nine, which is absolutely terrible. Um, and that went along with a 662 ERA. So this is a guy that I think the Blue Jays are bringing in uh, to, uh, obviously they brought him in at the deadline, but I think they, they might've liked some of the adjustments he made when he got there. Uh, he did pretty well in the postseason, I believe, um, in his one outing where he pitched three innings, didn't give up any runs. He looked pretty good. Um, so uh, one year, um, you know, one year, $8 million deal, uh, you know, that works for him. He's a guy who's pitched in the past for, you know, pr- pretty extended stretches like an ace. So, uh, you know, maybe they can figure something out with him and in his delivery that can help him get back to being able to control the ball better than he has been lately. So, yeah, and a one year deal, there's virtually no risk. Um, you know, $8 million, you, you, if it works out, then it looks like a fantastic thing. And if you guys are in contention, then you got yourself a, a decent pitcher and if you're not then right around the break some team will take a chance on him um you flip him for a couple of prospects maybe yeah for sure yeah. And, and this is you know like i said this guy that has good stuff and uh i tell you what though this is going to be the most talked about one year signing ever for the first week just because he was the only one so everyone's going to yeah. sit here and analyze robbie ray whereas like there's just not that much you know because there's just because there's not that much else going on so yeah, and it's really weird because this was the only signing, and we kind of expected the market to drag a little bit um, in the first week of free agency to have a guy who not only signs a one-year deal, but, I mean, $8 million in a one-year deal, is it's a pretty good deal, um, especially in with what we don't know what the landscape's going to be this year. So if this is any indication of what the off-season market might look like, and then we're in for a very good sign um, when we didn't expect to be uh, having a, you know, a fantastic off-season value-wise for players. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's go ahead and jump on to our next point, which is a, it's kind of a funny one. Alex Cora um, is rehired by the Boston Red Sox as their manager. 
Of course, he was involved in the 2017 scandal, uh, cheating scandal with the Houston Astros. He was their bench coach at the time. Uh, he got hired as Boston's manager in 2018, led them to the World Series in 2018, um, and then as in 2019, their manager as well, until being... He was fired by the Red Sox and suspended for a year due to his involvement with the Astros thing. Um, and now he's been rehired. Yeah. Um, quote unquote fired, you might add, just because, I mean, it's really feels weird to have to fire a guy and then hire him the moment that you're allowed to again. Yep. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what to think of this because I think Alex Cora did a pretty good job in 2018, obviously winning the World Series, even though that team was really, really good. Um, and uh, he's got a great career record, 192 and 132 as a career uh, record as a manager. But, I mean, like you say, his involvement in the in the sign-stealing scandal was pretty large uh, if, if based on the all the, you know, the documents and stuff that have come out about it and uh, – I mean, it's not a situation like A.J. Hinch was where he kind of didn't really do too enough to stop it, which so he did deserve something, but he was really against it the whole time. Alex Cora, it sounded like, was kind of, you know, I won't say encouraging it, but he was at least very nonchalant about uh, to, to the players about it, that he, he really didn't seem to want it to be stopped. So, um We'll see. Um, obviously, um, those one-year suspensions for the for these guys didn't really do all that much because they're right back rehired, you know, immediately when they're allowed to be. So, uh, but it'll be interesting. I mean, Alex Cora did has done a good job as a manager, so we'll see what he's in, ends up doing with the Red Sox uh, going forward. Yeah, it's it's weird for AJ Hinch. Um, you know, at least AJ Hinch went. He didn't have to go back to the Astros where he where it all happened and stuff. He went and kind of got a downgrade in job. He had to go to the Tigers, um, where Alex Cora is jumping back to the same job he had um, when this whole thing happened, pretty much. Uh, so that is going to be a little weird, but it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how the players in that locker room respect Alex Cora and what other players outside, if people want to go back to Boston and play for Alex Cora now. Um, you know, now that it's all come out that he was pretty much one of the ringleaders for it. I mean, it was him and Beltron that were pretty much the guys taking the lead on that sign sealing scandal. So, you know, for Boston to turn around and rehire him, it obviously shows that their ownership doesn't feel there's going to be any ill effects. Uh, and maybe they're just having some rose-colored glasses because he was the guy that led them to the World Series and maybe just felt that, hey, we couldn't have our interim manager basically be a lame duck, so we had to fire him. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it really plays out. He hasn't officially been announced, so we haven't actually got any comments from him. So I think that's going to happen, I want to say either tomorrow or Tuesday is when his press conference is supposed to happen. So see what he has to say, uh, his first vocal uh, or first time talking to the media since all this stuff's come out. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be weird, and um, hopefully, the, hopefully the media is able to, uh, you know, get some answers from him about his involvement and everything, you know, with the, all the suspension and everything being done. But I, I doubt that's going to happen. So yeah, it's probably going to be like that. Well, that happened. And, and, you know, now we're here and just let's move yeah, on Yeah, for sure. Um, so, but that's pretty much what's happened um, this week in the baseball world. Um, there is one rumor that's been floating around. That's been pretty fascinating. Uh, it, we've heard about it for the past couple years. Actually, his name's been really linked to the Dodgers. Um, 
and that was partially because of what Corey Seager was going through. But that's Francisco Lindor. Uh, he's been expected to be traded for the past couple years, but major uh, major analysts and uh, sports writers have come out and said that they expect that this is the year that he's going to be traded. Uh, he's a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove winner, two-time Silver Slugger, and he's a former Platinum Glove Award winner. Yeah, um, Lindor is a phenomenal player. Um, you know, you take that defense, which his defensive metrics have been incredible. Um, in fact, he's got uh, through his first, I believe he's been around since 2015. So through his first five seasons in the big leagues or six seasons, he's already amassed uh, 28.9 career wins above replacement, which is a very, very good number. Um, his career uh, hitting line is 285, 346, 488 slugging. He's hit the ball well. This past year, he, w- he was down just a little bit at the plate, uh, 258, 335, only a 415 slugging, which is not very Lindor-like. But, um, you know, short season, his plate discipline numbers were actually a little bit better this past year. Um, this is a guy who's a, he's a great player, and um, he would be – any franchise would be lucky to have him around for even – you know, even if it's for one year, which he is a um, – he is a uh, a uh, free agent at the end of this year, I believe. So, um, you yeah, know, this would be a one-year rental type player. And uh, he's expected – I think the Indians are wanting to trade him because he is expected to be earning at least $21 million in arbitration. And the Indians are trying to cut out some costs right now with the pandemic going on, and they're a mid-market team to start with. So I think they're wanting to move on. But um, what are some teams, Damian, that you're thinking of uh, us maybe – seeing Lindor get get moved to because I, I have a few that you know I, I kind of got in mind yeah so we've seen rumored um that the Indians really kind of want the Mets to be involved um and I don't know if that's because that they just they're actually their new owner Steve Cohen just got confirmed um this past week as well uh so you know he's a multi-billionaire uh, and they're wanting to spend money and get involved so we've seen that the Indians want to have the Mets involved to kind of hike up that price maybe um, Cincinnati Reds have been a team that's always been uh, linked to Lindor, especially last year um, in the offseason. The New York Yankees, I mean, they're always a team that kind of looks for deals like this, um, and maybe they can you know, make one big push with you know, their potential free agents, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and then just kind of a fun one that I thought would be fun. I, I don't think it will happen, but I would love to see him play uh, for the Miami Marlins. Uh, just a young team. They don't have any financial, you know, burdens on them. They got Derek Jeter who's said that they're kind of ready to turn the table and start winning again, um, being actually competitive, which you know nobody expected them to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, so a Francisco Lindor trade to them would be a kind of a, a fun, out of the box pick. Yeah, that would be very, very interesting, and I think that would shock the baseball world. But it it does make a little bit of sense. I mean. Um, I just I don't know if you throw all your bat you know your chips in the bag here for if you're the Marlins but you know that would be that would be fun for sure. Um, I have to think uh, I think it'd be interesting and, and the Yankees would, would be a team that I would look for. Um, do they move on from uh, Lemayhu, let him sign elsewhere, and if they do, maybe they sign, maybe they get a trade for Lindor. The Yankees have some pieces that match up real well with the Indians. Um, this is why I think at the deadline I picked the Yankees to be the team that uh, traded for Clevenger from the Indians because I just felt like they matched up well. Um, I have the Yankees moving. Uh, There's just a trade I kind of thought up was the Yankees maybe moving Clint Frazier and uh, Clark Schmidt. To, to Cleveland for Lindor. You know, the Yankees get that all-star shortstop for one season. 
after uh, you know after losing LeMahieu potentially, and then the uh, the Indians get a little bit of out, outfield help that they need, which is uh, that's also cost controlled because he's uh, you know a contract renewable player still. He hasn't even started arbitration. And then they get another young pitcher to work with, as as we all know, the Indians have been so good at developing young pitchers. So uh, maybe a Clark Schmidt would make sense there um, in in that trade, but but yeah, I, I like the I like the Yankees here uh, maybe to try to make a move for Lindor. Uh, the, all these teams are interesting, and there could be others too. You, you never know. There is not a team in baseball that could not use Francisco Lindor in some way or another. So um, it's gonna be very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, another one I just just kind of thought of as you were still talking was the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh yeah, um, they're also a team that was involved in talks for him before. Um, so that would, that would be another interesting fit. Yeah. And they've got a middle infield spot open too, with, uh, Wong, uh, having his option decline. So maybe they would potentially move Deong to second base and have Lindor play, play short for them. That would be, that would be very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this Lindor market develops and which teams are in and which teams, uh, you know, can't put a deal together. Um, but now let's go ahead and jump to kind of just our AL East um, overview, kind of kind of how they did this past year, um, and then to what we kind of expect um, their offseason to kind of look like. Uh, and we're going to start with the Tampa Bay Rays, who were just in the World Series. Um, they're not really losing too many pieces. Um, Charlie Morton is a free agent. They have lost their top three catchers, um, and one of their bullpen arms, Aaron Loop, uh, is pretty much their their big names that are kind of out there. Uh, so what what are you what are you expecting them to kind of look at in the free agent market? Um, well, it'll be interesting. The, the Rays obviously they went forty and twenty and won the American League East this past season. Um, they lost the World Series in six games to the Dodgers, so they were a you know a very good team this past year. Um, their losses hurt, but they don't hurt too too bad. Um, Charlie Morton's the one that probably hurts the most, but as we discussed in our episode last week, there's a pretty good chance that we might see him come back to the Rays on a, on a, maybe just a little bit cheaper free agent deal than his option would have been. Um, you know, they lose their catching, which their catching was pretty good defensively, but not, not great. Um, you know, all around and, uh, you know, they lose a bullpen arm and Aaron loop. So they could maybe add a lefty, but, um, I mean, their needs really are just catching, um, and starting pitching, maybe a DH um, or, or just another big bat. I feel like there were times, especially in the postseason, where their bats went quiet. Uh, you know, they had a Rosarina breaking out, and it seemed like he was the only one delivering in the postseason for stretches. But this is a team with a really good core. Uh, Brandon Lau uh, had a breakout year. I mean, you've got Adamas is a pretty good player. Um, they got a ton of middle infielders, and then they got some out some of these outfield guys. A Rosarena is a guy who he DH'd a lot this past season, but I think he's going to end up being a guy that really sticks in the outfield for a while. Um, and um, you know, you got Kiermaier is a best center fielder defensively in baseball. Um, you got Austin Meadows is a really good player. So you've got some pieces. This is a good core. Your top two starting pitchers are back. You know, for at least a couple more years. Uh, this is this is a team that could add free agency and you know do what they did last year and win big. They have the and, and one other thing to mention. They have the number one farm system in baseball according to MLB.com, and they also have the number one prospect in baseball in Wander Franco, who is also a middle infielder. So there's a lot, a lot of uh, potential there for this team. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think Wander is supposed to be up this uh, next year, so that's gonna be 
it's going to be really fun to see him. Uh, they, from what all everything I've heard, that he's a fantastic, fantastic shortstop. Um, it's going to be top of the top of the order hitter for many years to come. So, oh yeah. Hopefully, we get to uh, to see him play this next year. Uh, yeah, well, for go, sure. Let's go ahead and jump to our second place team in that division. And that's the New York Yankees. Uh, they finished off with a 33 and 27 record. Um, lost to the Tampa Bay Rays in seven. Um, in the postseason, they're losing a lot of pieces, though. Um, they're losing DJ LeMahieu, um, James Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, Brett Gardner, J.A. Happ, Tommy Canley, and Eric Kratz. Yeah, um, that's a lot of guys. <laughs> it's hard to fathom losing, you know, that much. But the Yankees are also a team that was so deep, and you know, you talk about them maybe being the the deepest team outside of the Dodgers this past season in baseball. Um, you know, the injury bug just bit them, but, uh, they went 33 and 27 this past year. Uh, they finished second in the AL East, which in the expanded playoffs meant that they were the, um, they, they made the playoffs off of that. They lost to the eventual American league champion, uh, Tampa Bay Rays in the world, in the, uh, in the ALDS. Um, you know, they, those are some big losses. You know, I kind of we kind of talked about with the Lindor trade rumors that maybe that's a way to replace Lemayhew. I could also see him re-signing Lemayhew um, and bringing him back. Uh, but the big thing here for the Yankees is that they're losing Paxton and Tanaka. They're going to have to replace those guys. Um, you know, and because they've only got uh, they've only got uh, Garrett Cole. You know, long term. That's a proven pitcher, depending on whether or not Severino comes back. But this team's got such a good core. I mean, it, it's just got a great core. Yeah, I mean, you got Aaron Judge, you got Stanton, you have Glaber Torres. I mean, how whatever you think of Gary Sanchez, um, at times can look very, very good, and yeah. at times he can look like he doesn't belong in the majors. Um, so, so they do, uh, and they have a couple other pieces like you know we've seen Miguel Andujar before. Um, they have Estevan Florial down there. They have Clint Frazier, uh, who you talked about. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I do see them. They do need some starting pitching. Um, will they go out there and be in the top of the market for starting pitching? I'm not sure. Um, they just, especially after signing Cole this last year, you got Stanton's big contract on the books already. Um, you're gonna have Judge coming up pretty soon if they're gonna re-sign him or not. Uh, I know the Yankees are they're a team just like the Dodgers who seem to have infinite funds, but you know there's a time where you have to kind of pick pick and choose where you're gonna spend all that money. Um, yeah. and I'm just not sure you want to put so much of that into the starting pitching. So maybe they play in that kind of that middle road to those two to three arms. Um, maybe look at a guy like a, maybe a Taiwan Walker, um, or kind of that range. Uh, middle infield you've already kind of hit on. Interesting. They could use the center fielder as well. They, yeah. They do have they do have Aaron Hicks, but he's constantly have the injury bug um, with him, and there's they don't really have a backup center fielder. I mean, they were playing Clint Frazier in center, um, and none of those uh, like Stanton Judge. If they do resign Gardner, neither of them are center fielders either. Um, so it, it'll be interesting for them. Yeah, it, it, and that's probably going to be the key for them is you know where do you put that money? And like you say, I mean. You know, teams, this this team, even though they might seem to have infinite funds, I mean, you're in the midst of a pandemic and no team has infinite, infinite funds and you will see them run out at some point. So, I mean, are the Yankees going to be able to go out and pay? I know they have some money coming off the books with some of these guys, but they're going to be able to go out and pay for all these needs that they have now and get 
one of them have one of them be like a George Springer to play center field, like you're talking about. Maybe maybe being the case, um, not necessarily that you're saying Springer, but just you know, for instance, um, you know, are they going to be able to, you know, like like if they re re-signed Lemayhew, are they going to be able to keep one of these starting pitchers or bring in somebody who's, you know, they can, can are they going to be able to afford it? Which I think the Yankees probably will be able to afford a pretty good bit, but they did lose three starting pitchers. So, and I know they have a couple guys that have just come up that they'll be able to throw in there. But I mean, right now, um, unless Severino comes back strong, you've only got probably, you know, obviously you're going to have Cole be ready for next year. But I mean, I guess Jordan Montgomery is your second best returning pitcher as of right now, uh, unless Severino is able to come back healthy. Yeah. And, and another thing is that this, this outfield market um, is not strong for center fielders. No. Um, I mean, there's George Springer, and then there's a really big fall off. Yeah, and with um, George, and with George Springer too, this is a guy who can kind of play center field at this yeah. point. He's more of a, a corner outfielder at this point in his career, where you can stick him in center if you need him to. But he's not really, you know, he's not really an elite center fielder anymore. Yeah, you're. I mean, the drop offs down to guys like Jonathan VR, if you consider him to play center, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Kevin Pillar. Um, I mean, not really great options um, there. So let's go ahead and jump over to the Toronto Blue Jays, though. Um, they finished this year at 32 and 28, third in the AL East. Um, they they get swept the first round. They did. They got swept by the Rays in the wild card. That's right. Yeah, they did get swept. Um, we talked about them re-signing Robbie Ray already. Um, they're set to lose even more pitching. Uh, Tywin Walker. Matt Shoemaker, Ken Giles, Anthony Bass are all pitchers that are free agents for them. Uh, Joe Panic and Jonathan VR are uh, middle infielder slash outfield type guys that they're also losing. That uh, you know they do have a solid core. You have Kevin Biggio, uh, Bo Bichette, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, so they do have they do have a, a solid a solid core. But you know every team can really use pitching, but this team can use some more starters. Um, some bullpen, uh, a center fielder, really. I mean, they've been playing Randall Gritchick in center field, which we discussed before the show. Was, he's not a great center fielder. He's more of a corner guy. Um, and a sneaky sneaky thing is that they could use a third baseman. Um, you know, Vlad can, is really more of a DH, but it seems that they could probably put him at first because um, they have so many other DH options. Uh, so third base could be a, a thing where maybe they are in play for some of the top third basemen. Yeah, uh, the Blue Jays have a um, very interesting offseason coming up, and that's mainly because they've got a lot of a lot of holes to fill, but they've got a lot of talent. So I feel like they're really deep with just big, you know, big power bats that are not really good defensive players that they're kind of throwing all over the place. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez really probably should be DHing most of the time, and you've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's probably should be DHing the whole time. And you've got uh, you got Rowdy Telez who probably should be DHing all the time. So you got a lot of guys who are you know pretty much DHs, and you got a few young guys, these young guys that are that are really good at the plate, um, uh, really good out in the field and at the plate, like like Bichette and uh, Biggio are, are really good. You know they're at least adequate in the field. Um, you know Guriel I think is pretty adequate in the outfield, but you've got Gritchick is definitely a guy who can play outfield, even if he might should be playing right field instead of center. 
Um, and you've got you got Hinjin Ryu coming back. Um, you've got uh, Nate Pearson potentially uh, stepping into a more of a you know consistent starting role. Uh, you would at least hope if you're a Blue Jays fan. So, um, but it's interesting because because they've got a lot of holes that they need to fill. But this is a team that seems like, based on some of the young guys they've had come up, that should be you know kind of ready to try to contend for the division. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see what they end up doing. Obviously, we already saw the the Robbie Ray signing, which I mean that makes a lot of sense because I mean they were down, they're losing you know two starting pitchers already, and Ray would have been a he'll probably be a guy who you know tries to fill one of those those holes, but. Um, there's a lot of moves the Blue Jays need to make to to get to contending, and you know you worry a little bit about them maybe trying to rush into it too early, kind of like the Padres did several years ago, where you know this young talent they need to it feels like there needs to just be a little bit more one or two more pieces of this young talent step up, and you know the key might be you know Vlad Jr. turning into the prospect Vlad Jr. I mean something like that. So, uh, but this Blue Jays team I think is I think they got a chance going forward um obviously pretty good season this past year some some good players um some guys taking making a breakout um but they need more going forward to contend with the Rays and Yankees yeah I could I could see this Blue Jays team being the uh you know the Cincinnati Reds or the Chicago White Sox of last offseason uh we kind of thought that those were the teams that were going to kind of take their next step and you know the Reds did the Reds make the playoffs? Did they, yeah, the Reds. Yeah, the Reds, yeah they did. They yeah, lost they, the Braves. Yep. Um, and then the White Sox made it, and those were two teams who hadn't made it in quite a while. So I could definitely see this Blue Jays team. They're right on the cusp, um, and you know, a couple team or a couple pieces away from, you know, being that being that next kind of young team that we uh we expect to make some deep runs for quite a while into the uh the postseason. Yeah, for sure. And they they do have some money to spend, so I, yeah. I think. I think that they could make some of those moves, but you, you got to be careful with, with it too, because if you're, you, you know, you're talking about the Reds and the White Sox making the playoffs, but the Reds and the White Sox would not have made the playoffs in a non-expanded expanded season like we had this year. They were both seven seeds, and then they also, you know, you're there. You don't want to overcommit to to players right. that aren't you, that really that good. You gotta, so you got to pick and choose the right guys. Um, exactly. So the, exactly. It, it's, a, it's a vital off season for the Blue Jays to make sure that they they do that. Yes. But let's go ahead and jump to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they were twenty five and thirty five, finished fourth in the AL East, fifteen games back. Um, you know they have they have some solid young guys. Um, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, Keegan Aiken all got time in the majors this year. Um, Adley Rutschman is the best catching prospect in baseball. Um, he should be up probably in the next couple years at some point. I think, you, I think um, they're talking about him probably coming up pretty early next season. So maybe. I mean, they still have Pedro Severino and Francisco, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, you I don't know, think those guys are gonna block uh, are gonna block a guy like Rutschman, but it all depends on how his development is really. Exactly. Um, they're, they're a super young team. I mean, that that's it's all about developing your guys. Um, and they, if you if you think, feel that Rutschman is is ready and you want to start his six year clock for your team already, then I mean you give him an opportunity. Um, but right now they, they're just very young. Um, they're they're kind of in that second stage of rebuilding where they've kind of tore all tore it all down now. But now they're kind of figuring out which young guys are going to stick and which young guys aren't going to stick. Um, so they're. I wouldn't expect much movement from the Orioles. Maybe a couple one-year deals of guys that they could flip around the off-season or in the middle of the season, I should say. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. I think the you look at their um, – they just need to improve their talent on their team in any ways they can. So if you've got a, a guy who, you know, they feel like it's not going to be part of their future, then they can go ahead and move them, like maybe an Iglesias. Um, you know, if you look at um, they, they some of these guys like Mountcastle, Santander, who had really good seasons this past year, maybe Hanser Alberto, Renato Nunez, some of these guys are – um, either, you know, they could trade them and get some value back for them if they don't feel like it's going to be sustained for long term or if they're not signed long term. But, um, you know, they can also kind of keep them around because they could be a part of a, a winning team in the future. And uh, like you said, Adley Rutschman is going to be coming up soon. Um, they're going to have um, um, they've got some guys who have pitched pretty well. Uh, Keegan Aiken being one, they're going to have top draft picks too. So you sign a couple of uh, veterans that, you know, are having trouble finding work elsewhere. Um, you know, hope they have a good half season, turn their value around. Maybe a guy like Nick Markakis could go back to Baltimore. Um, it's, it's unlikely. I feel, feel like that the Braves bring him back, but maybe he goes back to Baltimore for one more year. Um, you know, kind of a farewell if he decides because he's, he's, you know, he's 37 now. That would be interesting guy that you might still be able to trade as well. Um, so, uh, but the, that's the biggest thing with the Orioles. They're in the true rebuild right now. They're in a full rebuild and, um, you know, just do what you can to get, just increase the value of your organization, increase your farm system value. Um, you know, if you get a cra- some kind of crazy deal, then go ahead and sign a guy. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on them signing too signing too many big contracts. They also have some big contracts still that like, like uh, Chris Davis that they need to roll off the books. So, yeah. Um, just, it's, it's going to be a while for the Orioles. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I hope that they can find out some good pieces because uh, that city, it, it's really fun when that, uh, when Candom Yards gets, gets packed and gets uh, roaring with the crowd. They're, they're a fun place to watch some baseball. Um, oh yeah, so for I, sure. I hope, I hope they can get back to relevancy soon, um, and use their their good bullpen arms in the playoffs when it's needed. I mean, yeah. Show <laughs> Walter. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, to the last team uh, of our wrap up in the AL East, and that's the Boston Red Sox. Um, Twenty four and thirty six this year, sixteen games back, um, finished in the cellar in this American League. Um, thank you for Mickey Betts, by the way. Oh, um, never mind. <laughs> they uh, they're losing some key pieces though. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Martin Perez. There were two guys that you know played a vital role for him this year. Um, Jack Bradley for many years, one of the best defensive center fielders um, in the game. Uh, they've already lost Jose Peraza. He signed with the uh, the Mets already on a minor league deal. Um, they re- they need pitching. Uh, they their offense is it's good. Um, but their pitching is really underperformed this year, which they should be getting Chris Sale back next year as long as with Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Eovaldi. Um, so maybe they sign another pitcher for a one- or two-year deal. They're not going to be competing this next year, I don't think, unless they really go out and make a, a ton of moves in the uh, in the offseason. Uh, but probably their big need is probably center field. Um, you know, if they don't bring back Jackie Bradley, which they've already – been talking with him about potentially a return there um and, and their farm system isn't great they don't really have many pieces that are up and coming um so a lot of the things gonna have to be either building through free agency or starting a full-fledged rebuild and kind of start with your draft picks yeah this is a 
this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Red Sox because they do have a pretty good core still. You've got Bogarts, who's one of the better shortstops in the game. you got Devers, who wasn't as good this past year, but he had a really good season year before, year before last. Um, J.D. Martinez, I don't know if this is still a guy you can build around. He really didn't have that great of a season, and he's pretty much completely stricken to DH duties now. Um, and he's also on a big contract, so he opted back into his contract for next year, which was definitely the right decision for him, especially with this weird offseason. But, uh, you know, that's kind of – he might be hindering your team a little bit with that contract, but he's also a guy who could, you know, explode and hit for a lot of power next year too. Got Verdugo coming back. Um, Evaldi, like you said, uh, Verdugo had a breakout year. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is going to be the return of Sell and Rodriguez, like you said. You know, Chris Sells an ace, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's healthy. And if he comes back fully healthy, then I, you know, I have no reason to think he wouldn't be. And Eduardo Rodriguez had a really good season in 2019, kind of a breakout season for him. And um, you know, he's another lefty who they really could use his his play and out of the out of their rotation. So this is a team that had no rotation this year. So um, you know, and with Eovaldi coming back, you, you still do need a couple starters. Um, you know, like you said, center field, they might bring back Jackie Bradley Jr. on a free agent deal, but, um, it's a very interesting off season just because I feel like the Red Sox aren't that far away from still being pretty good. They had a really rough season this past year, but a lot of that was, you know, mainly because of, uh, injury to their pitchers. Um, but I mean, they traded Mookie Betts away and that, that was a big, big deal for them. And I don't know, it, it, we'll see what happens with them They're they could, they they don't have a good farm system, so they're probably not going to be able to trade for too many top players, and they need bullpen help still. So maybe they sign some veteran bullpen arms and bring back Jackie Bradley and see where they go and figure it out at the deadline. It's kind of my thought on them. It's either that or or you commit to that rebuild. Like, yeah, like we've been talking about. I mean, you you don't have many pieces, but maybe you maybe you just jump fully into that boat. Um, it I it's gonna be hard to convince the Red Sox fans of that, especially coming off of twenty eighteen. But I I don't know. I, mean, I, I I don't see a clear path for them without spending just a buku amount of of money. You know, and they yeah. already have Chris Sale and J D Martinez locked up, and that seems to kind of hamstring them. They didn't want to pay Mookie Betts. Um, yeah. they were a team before the, go pandemic, the luxury tag. Yeah, they were a team before the before the uh, pandemic hit wanted to shed salary. Um, and didn't want to pay the luxury tax and stuff. So it's going to be very hard expecting them to, to even want to go for it now. Um, that would, It just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, if, if they did decide to do that rebuild, just a full-fledged rebuild, trade everybody, it, it's going to be tough for them still with that because I don't know how much they're going to get in value from some of these guys. Chris Sell is on a huge contract, and, but he's also a guy who is not um, – He's also a guy who's coming off an injury. Even though he is a great pitcher, how well is he going to come back from a Tommy John injury? Because that's a big injury. Um, you got, I mean, Bogarts is on a big contract. I do think they would be able to move him, but what would you get back for him if, if, with that contract? Devers is a guy that could probably still move for, for a good amount of pieces. For Dugo, for sure. Martinez is probably untradeable right now, unless he has a huge year. Um, Eovaldi is another guy who is... You know, he, I think he's a free agent after this year, anyways. But um, you maybe could trade him, but he's on a big contract. So 
that's a problem for the Red Sox is out of all their young guys, out of all these players, who are, who would they be able to move? They don't have big bullpen, like a closer or something that they could move and get an overpay for. Um, you know, they no longer have Jackie Bradley Jr. They have Andrew Benintendi really struggled this past year. I don't know if any teams are going to take him on, you know, and put in a big investment into him. So it's going to be tough for them either way, I think. Yeah, they're 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 at the crossroads right now, and they have to decide yeah. what they want to do. So maybe um, you do just maybe you do just go all in and try it one more time, just because you're going to have a terrible rebuild either way. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. That this is a it, team that's at a crossroads. It, yeah, it is hard to say because, like you said, these guys are on huge contracts. So how much money do you really have yep. um, to spend if you don't want to hit that tax and you're already in a pandemic anyways? Yeah. Um. So it. it the Boston Red Sox are a team that huge fan base, huge market, um, but they could be kind of at that crossroads where they have to kind of hit that reset button and 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 hit that rebuild. Um, which I, I don't think it would be good for the game right now. Um, yeah, you know, they especially during these times they need the teams that are known to be the, the big spenders and the guys spending money because um, these mid market teams and smaller markets definitely aren't going to be able to spend the money that they need to. Um, so I'm going to be fascinated with this this whole division, really. I mean, it's it's wide open. I mean, if you would have told me that the Tampa Bay Rays would have won the division this year, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, if you told me the Red Sox were going to finish last, I would have said you were crazy. Uh, so this this whole division, I feel, is wide open. Um, and so many moves can be made that can turn each of these teams into a, a contender. Maybe not the Orioles, but each of these teams can become you know contenders in the next couple of years if they make the right Yeah. Move. Yeah, so so one thing that I um, one thing that I look at, you know, when, when we start with an off season or just kind of in general, when you kind of look at what you want to do with a team is what what's your next, you know, in the next five years, how would you rank the AL East franchises just based off of what they have, you know, kind of the potential that they have, what their farm system looks like, what their major league team is doing, and honestly, and you can answer this too. Honestly, I feel like you could maybe flip the Yankees and Rays. But I feel like the standings from this past season are about what I would call it, really. I, I don't know, man. I'm actually pretty high on the Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, I, I think if they can get another starting pitcher and develop or, or find another middle-of-the-order type bat, that they could be right up there. I mean, I'm high on Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, yeah. Vlad. Um, so I, I, I think I put them right up there with the Yankees and Rays. I don't yeah. know how I would exactly rank them, but – I definitely have those as the three top teams. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like the I feel like if you just went very quickly through them, um, the Rays are a World Series contender, the Yankees are a World Series contender, the Blue Jays I think are a playoff contender, but I don't think they're I think they're a few pieces away from World Series at least, and the Orioles are in it, obviously in a deep rebuild, kind of coming out of it, and the Red Sox are kind of at that crossroads point where they might be a playoff contender. I don't really think they're a World Series contender right now, but maybe a playoff contender if they get all these guys back healthy. But they also might end up starting into that big rebuild because I don't think they're going to sustain being a playoff contender very much longer. So I just thought it was interesting because that's, that's one of those things where you look at – you know, you look at a division like the AL East and, you know, where are these teams going to be in five years? Because if you've got three teams that you feel like are going to be a a World Series contender in the next five years, then, you know, if they're, you're the Red Sox, then maybe you do go ahead and do that rebuild because, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to piece together, you know, and make it to the postseason when you've got three elite teams in your division. 
It's one of those things, kind of like the Marlins the last few years. You know, there's no reason for them to go for it. Just keep stockpiling because, I mean, you're not going to be better than the Braves, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets, you know, because they, they've all been pretty good. Um, it's it's kind of one of those deals for the for the Red Sox. But we'll see. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what they do because – and, and I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this offseason plays a role in all of it. Yeah, they're, they're just going to have to commit. That's the thing. Yeah, the Red Sox, absolutely. You're going to have to commit one way or the other. I mean, the Yankees, when they went through their last little rebuild, um, they went to pretty much the fans and the thing, and they came out and openly said, like, look, we are going to start a rebuild. Um, we plan on being contenders in the next years, but the next two years, three years, is going to be a little bit tough. Yep. Um, and, and they went through that, and you know, the fans obviously never like to hear that, but they at least knew the direction yep. of their team. Um, and sure enough, within that little con- that little period, right when they said they were going to start contending again, they make a big trade yep. for John Carlos Stanton, and they become contenders again. Yeah, and um, and one one other thing, and you know, kind of the last point on that too is that I think there's a big difference between a team rebuilding because they need to rebuild the talent, and it's hard to get talent, or a team rebuilding because they want to dumps they want to dump payroll because i mean you've got teams like like the marlins have rebuilt you know back when they had ozuna stanton and yelich all in their outfield they rebuilt because they wanted to dump payroll and i think that's not a that's a harder sell to fans than say hey we've got a lot of big contracts right now we are going to have trouble getting getting much more our team right now is pretty okay but not elite you know, we might trade some of these guys and try to get some more talent in our farm so we can home grow some more players and, you know, end up being contenders again. And most of the time, those rebuilds don't last very long. You look at the Yankees rebuild, it only lasted about a year or two. You look at the Braves rebuild, you know, 2015 through 2017, only lasted three years. And, you know, these program, these, these, these franchises came back, you know, they didn't really dump a ton of salary. But they, you know, maybe use some flex, maybe created some flexibility, but they used it in order to acquire talent in different ways. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap our episode up this week. Um, next week, we'll hit on the American League Central. Yep. Um, so that is the Twins, the Indians, the White Sox, the Tigers, and who's the other? The Royals. Um, so those will be the five teams we hit on next week. That'll Hopefully, be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It will be. You got three really, really good teams in there, and, and one of them with and one of them managed by Tony Larusa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> three good teams, and then the team managed by Tony Larusa. Yeah. Oh wait. Uh, <laughs> I don't but, know if that. I don't know if that's what I was saying, but <laughs> I know. Um, so that that'll be fun. Hopefully, we get a little bit more. Um, you know, some more rumors or or a little bit couple of more signings maybe a trade something that happens so we have a little bit more to talk about um i know i think we're gonna have the qualifying offer decisions next week yeah that'll be that'll definitely give us some some uh some rumors because that that's gonna be a big deal because you've got a couple guys who are somewhat likely to accept those qualifying offers but if they decline them there's two more pretty big free agents out there so when is that decision believe it's 10 i think they have 10 days from when it when the when the qualifying offer was made which i think they were made like maybe this past maybe went like last monday or something so i'm not 100 percent sure but um but i think it should be coming this week and um like i say that'll be very interesting um you know it's we'll see what happens with it because 
Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gossman being the two big ones. Um, that that adds a couple of pretty good free agents to the market if if that hap- if they do don't don't accept, which I have to think that at least Gossman will accept it. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it definitely will be. Um, we do know that Bauer already declined it. They yeah. came out and said that. But, uh, that was yeah, that was gonna happen. <laughs> we'll talk more about that uh, about that next week. So, thank you guys for tuning into this episode, uh, and we will catch you guys next week. Yep. Thanks, guys.